You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. I will be your host again today as Dave is still out and about. He's on his way out to Philly right now uh, to cover the Boilermakers as they make their NCAA run. But me and Mike Chappell are holding things down here in Indianapolis. And we have a lot to talk about today. Of course, the big trade, the Colts finally land a quarterback. Matt Ryan is coming to Indianapolis. Uh, the move kind of got started when Atlanta was involved in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Of course, Watson ended up with the Browns, and we'll touch on that more later, but Ryan and the Falcons decided it was still time to move on. Indy gave up a third-round pick for the rights to Matt Ryan, 82nd pick overall in the draft, and it was a draft pick that they got from Washington in the Carson Wentz trade. The Colts also assumed Ryan's two-year contract, and after acquiring him, they added some guarantees to his deal. Matt Ryan will be paid $54 million over the next two seasons. That adds up to about $24.7 million uh, this season and then $29 in the 2023 NFL season. Atlanta eats over $40 million in dead cap money. Mike, the Colts get a quarterback who's going to be 37 uh, by the time the season starts. He's accomplished a lot in his career. Before we kind of get into how much Matt Ryan might have in the tank and his fit with the Colts and what should we expect, I want to hear your thoughts on the deal itself, the Colts trading just a third-round pick for Matt Ryan's services. Yeah, I think I saw some things from Atlanta today to where the Falcons were convinced they could have gotten more than a three, to get a three, to only give up a three for this quarterback is really a, a coup for the Colts. The Falcons kind of said, you know, we, we, we're sure we could have gotten more, but to take Ryan at his word, this was the one place, the one place he wanted to go when it became clear the Falcons were moving on. So they they sort of acquiesced and gave the Colts this for the, for the third round pick. And again, to, to get that, considering they gave up, what was it, a three and a one for Wentz. And what you've seen uh, these deals going for, it, it's really – and you talked about the, the, the numbers 24-7 this year and 28 next year. Those are still sort of below market. Uh, they're, they're, it probably ranks, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 in the quarterback market. So it's a good deal. What it does, what it does, it gives the Colts – reason to believe I, I guess that's the most generic way of saying it you know and we'll get into it they still have needs at left tackle at wide receiver at tight end at corner at safety and they'll address those somehow and with somebody's but if you don't get the quarterback what else matters it, it just it, everything else you do is sort of secondary and it was kind of funny. No sooner did Atlanta announce the trade than I mean, I mean, within ten minutes they announced they had a deal with Marcus Mariota. And if if I'm still convinced that if Ryan is not here, Marcus Mariota is. I, I just think that would have happened. I don't think the Colts had much of an interest in Baker Mayfield. They were already burned by a, a, an embattled quarterback last year, and I think. Garoppolo's shoulder surgery, yes, it was minor. You know, it's always minor when it's not on your shoulder. But it would have kept him out of most, if not all, not probably all of off-season work. Same with Jameis Winston coming back from a knee. So I really think if Matt Ryan wasn't here, it, it would be Marcus Mariota. And this, this again, this gives you a chance. I, I've talked about it on some radio shows that where when you, when you hear the national media saying who the top, I don't know, six or eight teams are in the AFC. The Colts aren't in there. They're not one of those top teams. That doesn't matter. All they have to be is the top team in the AFC South. They've got to, you know, they've got to beat Tennessee, and we'll see about Jacksonville. They're, they're such a wild card. So all you have to do, if you win the AFC South, you're one of the top four teams, period. You get a home playoff game, and then once you get in, who knows? So, uh, this gives him a chance. It's at least two years. Ryan told us yesterday that 
he wants to play into his 40s because, you know, quarterbacks are playing into their 40s. And, yes, there's been a drop-off in his production, in, maybe not production efficiency, but how much of that was him and how much of that was the way the, the Falcons supporting cast deteriorated. So th- this was making the absolute best of a bad situation that the Colts, you know, let's be, be honest, created themselves by initially being wrong on wins and then having to go into to a reload m- m- mode, not knowing that Matt Ryan would be available. So th- th- this is a win for the Colts. Yeah, I got to give Chris Ballard and the Colts organization an A+. Uh, things were looking pretty dire at certain points in the quarterback search. It got to a point in the offseason where it was clear it was a anybody but Carson Wentz type situation. And for that anybody to end up being Matt Ryan, an extremely accomplished quarterback in the NFL, who uh, I and many other analysts out there who are giving their opinions do not think he's completely washed. I don't think he's not at his peak, but I think this is kind of like a Phillip Rivers 2.0. Philip Rivers with a little little something extra on top, and I think Philip Rivers had a good season for the Colts a couple of years ago. Matt Ryan uh, might be able to do a little more with this roster. I think he has a little bit more left in the tank. To uh, looking between the two, you know, the Colts traded for two uh, high-profile quarterbacks back-to-back off seasons. Now, really, what they traded when you look at the compensation. They gave up for Wentz, got back from Wentz, and then gave for Matt Ryan. They basically traded a first-round pick for Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and a second-round pick, which that that's a lot of value for one first-round pick. I understand the Carson Wentz trade did not work out, but when you don't have a quarterback, you have to keep taking swings at the position until you find your guy because nothing else matters. I remember... I listened to Chris Ballard's interview yesterday on the Pat McAfee show, and he talked about how they had spoken to several free agents during free agency period, but everyone was very hesitant because they wanted to know who'd be throwing the ball in Indianapolis because quarterback just drives so much. Uh, now that that's answered, we'll uh, see where the Colts go next in free agency. Before we move on, though, let's talk about Ryan what he's done and what he can do with this Colts team. He's entering his 15th season in the NFL or turned 20, uh, I'm sorry, 37 years old in May. He's led Atlanta to seven winning seasons, six playoff appearances, and he won the Super Bowl. uh, I'm sorry, won MVP and offensive player in 2016 while leading the Falcons to a Super Bowl. All time, Matt Ryan ranks eighth in passing yards, with just shy of 60,000, ninth in passing touchdowns with 367. He's tied ninth in completion percentage, 65.5 over the course of your career is a great mark. And then he has 42 game-winning drives, which is tied for seventh most all-time and I believe is the most since he entered the league uh, 15 seasons ago. His recent years, Mike, are the reason he was available in the first place. The Falcons have endured four consecutive losing seasons, and Matt Ryan simply hasn't had much help during that time. Atlanta's defense has ranked 26th, 29th, 20th, and then 28th last season. Ryan has been sacked 173 times since 2018. That's second to only Russell Wilson, who was sacked six more times than Ryan. And Atlanta's 91 rushing yards per game since 2018 ranks 31st in the NFL. Falcons ranking near the bottom of basically every statistical category. And yet Matt Ryan put up solid numbers. Uh, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions last season, 3,900 yards, snapped his streak of 10 straight years with at least 4,000 passing yards. Ryan also completed 67% of his passes. Mike, the numbers from last year don't blow you away, but when you consider what he's working with in Atlanta, they're pretty solid. One thing that was kind of interesting is is Jonathan Taylor's name was brought up during his press conference yesterday, and he, he, he shared with us to how when they, when they were preparing for Buffalo in Week 17, they put on the Colts tape 
Uh, and he said, boy, these guys are running the ball pretty good against what was the number one ranked defense, remember? And the more that he, he did, so then he put on more tape and more tape, and he kept noticing Jonathan Taylor. He called him a beast. And so he's going from a from a one of the worst running, running games in the league to, to the league rushing champion. I was something I'm going to post a little bit later today is is uh, in Ryan's these last four years where they they were so bad the supporting cast with the defense and the sacks and they were 31st in the league in rushing. That's 65 games. They had four 100-yard rushing games in those 65 games. Jonathan Taylor's had 13 in his 33 career games. So he he's that instant crutch. I hate to use the word crutch, but 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 support that you give your quarterback. I mean, you ask any quarterback, pass protection run game. It just makes everything everything easier, uh, better, more efficient. So th- this is what he's not had. And, you know, I, I just think there's – and he had, he, I think Ryan told us he had lunch with, with uh, Quentin Nelson and, and Ryan Kelly yesterday as well. Those are two of his offensive linemen. You know, so so you're bringing back three-fifths of the, your starting group with Braden Smith. You've got to figure out right tackle. It sounds like they're leading towards Matt Pryor. I'll – I'll believe it when I see it. I think they need better. Uh, and right guards, either going to be if Chris Reed resigns, we'll see, or Danny Pinner. So, you know, let's keep in mind that it's it's real easy now, and it's how the media is, to pile on Carson Wentz. It really is. He's out the door and good riddance, and how could they ever make that move 13 months ago? Where a lot of us were in favor of that at the time. It seemed like, hey, this might work. But but so much worked against Wentz, and, and I'm not going to take too much time to defend him. But you know, very little off season, no training camp after the broken foot. He has the two ankle sprains early on, and and then and then it just didn't work. But the offensive line wasn't very good last year. Uh, run blocking was okay, pass protection just wasn't. It was one injury after the other. Eric Fisher took forever to get back, or it, it took him a long time to get to where he's ready to play. He starts early in the season when he probably shouldn't have. Braden Smith dealing with stuff. Ryan Kelly had COVID and family issues. So Quentin Nelson wasn't wasn't healthy all year. So it, it's very encouraging where he's going from little protection and no run game to he should have very good protection and one of the best running games in the league. Yet as, as we'll get into, they said somebody said so. Are they done? Well, I hope not. Because again, right now you've got a, a a leading receiver in Michael Pittman, and then question marks, question marks. Tight end, you, you re-sign Moali Mo Cox, and then you have question marks. So so they've got to get that. And then left, left tackle again, Matt Pryor. I, I wouldn't rule that Eric Fisher coming back. I guess that's a possibility. I wouldn't be opposed to that. There's no question we did not see the best of Eric Fisher because of the Achilles. So. But again, I'll go back to what I said to start with. The quarterback gives you a chance. It just gives you a chance to do things, and that's where they are. Yeah, Matt Ryan certainly had a point in his career where, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to carry this Colts team, but they're not going to ask him to. Um, the Colts are going to have to – they're going to play it as a team. As Chris Ballard always says, Mike, in your opinion, uh, Matt Ryan, upgrade over Carson Wentz? I think so. I mean, he doesn't have the athletic ability. Maybe probably not as strong of an arm, just just heaving it. But I I think you're getting a you're certainly getting an upgrade on accuracy. You just are. What what, what was it? Sixty six percent, and what is he ninth overall all time? Yeah, all time nearly sixty six. And he's led the team, or he's led the league a couple of years. Uh, sixty sixty eight six to one year in two thousand twelve. So this guy he, he he delivers the ball where it's supposed to be. I think he's going to be more decisive. You know, a lot of times, Carson, it seemed like so much, and again, please, folks, we're not piling on Carson Wentz. I'm not. But so often, his plays seemed to be improv. Whether he held the ball, whether whether he didn't see something, he held the ball, and then he made something or tried to make something out of nothing. I don't think you're going to see that with with Matt Ryan. I think he's more decisive. I think he's going to rejuvenate. Naheem Hines, 
as an option. I mean, holy smokes, we've talked for three or four years about how, how are they going to maximize Naheem Hines, and they haven't. This this time, I think they will. Chris Ballard has talked about him being one of the three playmakers and, and admitted they did a bad job of getting him the ball. Now, whether that was play design, which I don't believe, I don't believe for a second that Frank Reich went into games to ice out Naheem Hines. I think it was more of the quarterback not wanting to take the dump off and looking for a a, a bigger play. So I just think it's an upgrade over over how you play the position. And, you know, it, it, people said, well, you're getting a, another immobile quarterback like Phillip Rivers. There are no other mobile, immobile quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers. He's in a <laughs> class of his own. Matt Ryan can move. He can't. Now, he's not going to – he's not to run around, but he can move in the pocket, and when, when necessary, he'll get out and he'll pick up a first down with his legs. But, I, you know, one thing, I, I think he will be able – not every game. If you need him to, to win your game with his arm, I think he's capable of doing that. Again, I don't think that's what they want. They don't want – they didn't want that from Wentz. You know, I think that'd be just as happy as can be with, you know, 240 yards, 250 a, a week – Make the throws, make the layups. You know, I, I keep harping on what Chris Ballard said, make the layups. This guy will make the layups, and I think he'll hit some home run balls as well. Yeah, what Ryan is not going to give you that Carson did was those off-script improvisational plays, that, and some of them really worked out. There were times where he scrambled and ran for 15 yards on third and 10 or broke broke out of three sacks and found Michael Pittman Jr. down the field and heaved him a jump ball and they gained 40 yards. You're not going to get as much of that with Matt Ryan. But what Matt Ryan is going to do that will be so crucial for this offense and is really all the coaches want out of their quarterback is he's going to keep the offense on rhythm. He's going to get the ball where it's supposed to be, when it's supposed to be there, and keep things moving, which is so crucial for a team that doesn't have super explosive playmakers all over the field. Yes, Jonathan Taylor is one of the best in the league, but in terms of your wide receiver core, even Michael Pittman Jr. is not a guy who could catch a five-yard slant and take it 70 yards down the field. You need an offense that's going to keep the change moving, keep things in third and short where the running game remains a factor and not fall, fall behind the chain so many times because you're always looking for the big play and you don't want to take the five-yard check down. Uh, I just think in terms of play style, Matt Ryan is going to offer something that fits much better with this Colts offense than Carson Wentz did because Carson Wentz would so many times just resort to hero ball or even when he did stay on script, the pass was inaccurate and not where it was supposed to be. Love this trade for the Colts. Honestly, it's better than anything I thought they were going to be able to acquire uh, this offseason when it came clear that the Colts would be in the market for a new quarterback. So I'm in favor of it. And maybe he can return to his past reduction. I mean, just in 2020, so just two seasons ago, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 4,500 passing yards, 65% completion. I mean, that would be terrific to get that out of Matt Ryan this year. Um, and then just a couple years ago, he was throwing 35 touchdowns to seven interceptions back in 2018. So he's still got that in him. I don't believe all of a sudden because he's 37. I mean, we're, we're seeing quarterbacks play at extremely high level into their 40s these days. Um, well, one thing I would add, and, and since we play G, you know, pretend GMs all the time, I, I hope they go out and look for a veteran backup. I just do. Uh, this guy's missed what three games in, in, in 14 years, whatever it is, but still, I, I just think go, it's obvious they've made the investment and they believe that this guy gives them a chance to do something this year. But if something happens and, and he gets two sprained ankles in week two and just can't play, you, you cannot just say, well, we got Sam Ellinger. You, you can't. So I, I I don't know who will be out there in, in May or June or whatever, but I hope they find a quarterback who you say, yeah, I've heard of him. He He's done X, Y, or Z. If you're going to make the investment that they've made, you know, with, with Nagakwe as well, they, they, they've made moves, bold moves. I'd say bold moves. If you're going to do that, then, then don't shortchange yourself on an insurance policy at quarterback. 
What are you talking about, Mike? Ellinger was about to be the starter until Matt Ryan fell right into their lap. So, so, I mean... so, was, so was Jacob Eason. <laughs> the things I've heard from some Colts fans. And I was just... They st- those people still want Chad Kelly for crying out loud. I was just down in Texas this past week, and I had people trying to convince me that Sam Ellinger, you know, he's great. He did so well for Texas. I'm like, I'm sure he did. But he was a six-round pick for a reason. Backup quarterback, I'm sure, is something the Colts will certainly keep an eye on. Uh, Matt Ryan, one of just several major trades to happen in the NFL within the past week. This, this has been one of the craziest, you know, dramatic off seasons that, and we seem to say that every year with the Tom Brady's and going back to Peyton Manning. This is an unbelievable considering the names we're talking about and the compensation and the contracts. Amazing. Usually, usually it's like one or two major, major moves every day. This, it's like Baskin Robbins. Who's next, guys? You didn't even think we're uh, up for to be available. We'll start with the biggest one that really got everything going. Deshaun Watson. Traded to the Cleveland Browns. Houston receives three first-round picks, uh, one over the course of the next three drafts, one third-round pick, and two fourth-round picks. Cleveland then signed Watson to a five-year, $230 million contract that is fully guaranteed. And just to cover their bases, because Watson might be suspended this year, we'll see how the NFL handles his situation the first year base salary for Watson is only $1 million. So if he is suspended, he doesn't lose too much of that contract. Mike, I mean, just an unprecedented deal in the NFL. $230 million guaranteed for a guy still facing serious allegations. Um, but Cleveland is all in. They want to win. They're tired of losing. And apparently they're willing to do whatever it takes to get some Ws. The NFL and teams can say all they want about standards and protecting the shield and all this stuff. This, this is the most blatant example. Tyreek Hill too, to a degree. We'll get to that in a minute, but this is what I've always hung on to is teams tolerance level for players with red flags goes up with the quality play of the player. And if this doesn't tell you 230 million, all guaranteed. And then it's almost like they're rubbing your face in it when you're giving the base of a million dollars this year, fully aware that he may be suspended for whatever. So this lessens the impact of the suspension. If this doesn't show you that a, that a team will do whatever it takes, uh, barring, I, I don't know, I don't know what the, I, yeah, I, I can imagine what the line is that teams won't cross, but we haven't gotten there. And, uh, I, I wonder if, if this is one of those where the team said, yeah, we did extensive background work and all this. What's that mean? I mean, who'd you talk to? So I, I just, it just verifies that if this guy can be, and we've seen him, the, the Colts and, and Colts fans have seen him. This is a great, great player where he ranks among quarterbacks. I don't know, five, six in, in the top five or six. He does. Uh, but I've always said that, with the 22 allegations, something happened. Something. I mean, I don't know what. Something is there. I don't know what. I was absolutely surprised. I won't go beyond surprised that the Colts at least made an an attempt to talk to him. Uh, because because I thought I thought that one might be a line that they wouldn't cross. Now they just may have been doing due diligence. I don't know. But to to, to do what Cleveland has done. And you've noticed that that we've not had that Deshaun Watson introductory press conference yet. I guess you've noticed that's for a reason, I'm sure. Yeah. At some point, this guy's they've got to cart this guy out there and have him talk. He he just has to. So it, 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 anyone who questioned the NFL, whenever the NFL says what our standards are in protecting the shield and all that stuff, either roll your eyes, hold your nose, or whatever, because they're lying. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see when and if the NFL punishes Watson for, I mean, it's tough because they're at this point just accusations. Nothing's been proven. He denies everything. So the NFL's in a tough position. I'm not sure exactly what kind of suspension or anything you give the guy, but 
On the other hand, it is a bad look for the Browns. It's a bad look for the league, and we'll, we'll just have to see what happens with that one. But at least on paper, Cleveland is now a Super Bowl contender with a top, top-notch top quarterback. They got the wide receiver, Namari Cooper. They got a solid defense. I mean, Cleveland has players. Uh, we'll see if it works out for them. If I had to pick a team to not make the playoffs who've made all of these massive moves, it's Cleveland. For one reason, I anticipate him missing six games. And I, I don't even know who they're who – did they sign uh, Chase – it wasn't Chase Daniels. They who signed Jacoby Brissett. I'm sorry. God, how, how quickly we forget. So I, I wonder if, if they, they can absorb a six-game loss of their quarterback and make the playoffs. But, but still uh, – like you, I'm very, very interested in seeing how the league comes down. It's been what he misses all of, all of last year, but uh, they're loaded, and that's why I say and we, I, Matt Ryan does does not elevate the Colts into that top five or six category, but he gives them every chance to compete with Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill, which is all that matters. They do, and you know the last bit of thing I'll add on Cleveland is they still have Baker Mayfield and they got to figure out what to do with them because it seems like the musical chairs have ended and there's no chair left for Baker so we'll, well you see. got Seattle and Carolina maybe I don't know yeah I saw, uh, I saw a report yesterday that Baker and Carolina had mutual disinterest so. <laughs> <laughs> you know I just I just never he had the interest in coming here and I really really believe the Colts sort of said eh you know we tried to resurrect a quarterback and embattle quarterback last year, and I'm not putting Wentz in the same category with with uh, Mayfield. But can you imagine uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Wright going into what's going to be a very, very urgent 2022, and you tie your hopes to Baker Mayfield? I, just, I, I think that just wouldn't have worked. The, the owner might not have. He might have put his foot down like he did with Carson Wentz, but uh, I never gave any credit. I don't care where players want to go. Unless you're, unless you've got the cachet of a Matt Ryan, you, you where you can sort of direct where you want to go. And, and probably Tyree kill. It sounds like he, he said he, he wanted to go to Miami, but if you're Baker Mayfield, you know, understand your leverage son. And, and, and he has none right now. And the, the, Something else I forgot to add on Matt Ryan is part of the reason I like the deal so much as opposed to a Baker Mayfield is it doesn't tie the Colts to a questionable quarterback for the long term. Baker would be another situation. He had just one year left on his deal where it it was either going to be a one-year rental again or the Colts were going to have to extend a quarterback and probably overpay him because Baker at best is above average and I don't think he's ever going to be a great quarterback Whereas in Matt Ryan, the Colts have him for two years. He can give them two years of good production, good performance from the quarterback position, and then the Colts have two years now to figure out who their quarterback of the future is going to be. Uh, All the more important because they don't have a first-round pick this year. So now they can go into next year's draft, 2023 draft, and try and find that guy for the future while Matt Ryan finishes up his career most likely in Indy. Um, yeah, I, I think what he does is, is he, like like you said, now all of a sudden, now I don't think you even remotely need to take a quarterback in April. No. You you don't need to reach because this, you know, it's a thin class and all that. He does give you that solid bridge to next year where you've got a first-round pick, which if things go well, you hope it's in the low 20s. And you know, a first and hopefully two seconds right? to make a move. So, so, so again, it – it does give you a, 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 a bridge to somebody. What's going to be interesting, and we'll just throw this out there. Let's say he comes in and he's what they think. He's he's 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and you know 4,000 yards playoffs in both years. And he comes back next year, and he's strong as well. How tempted are you to say, you know, let's see how much more there is of Matt Ryan. You know, maybe he does. Maybe he can play into his forties at a high level. Well, to do that with where these quarterback contracts are, what's it going to retake to re-sign Matt Ryan to a second contract? A bunch. Quite but a that, bit. But that 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 would be a nice problem. That's a good problem to it's have. A, it's a, it's a, it's as opposed to saying Baker Mayfield, gosh, what do we do with him? So I, I think he gives you so many options. 
immediately he 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 erases the urgency of finding a young quarterback in in, in this draft. You can delay it because you're really expecting this guy to come in and be two years. Philip Rivers, the team hoped two years, and, and it turned into one, which I think it surprised the team. This is not the same case. This is a guy that said, you know, I like to play into my 40s. And he's playing, he's taking care of himself. Again, missed three games. So he he really does. We're always looking for the long term. And again, I think I told you, I've, I've, I've adjusted my, my vernacular. I always thought long-term in the NFL was eight to 10 years. But that's only if you have the guy, Brady, you know, Rogers or, or Russell Wilson or Manning or, or whatever. Nowadays, it's like, isn't it like four years? Yeah, it's just four to five, really. Four to five. And, and that's for the Colts. It might be the timeline for the Colts might be the four to five. Because you've built so much around the running back. And a running back, I tell you, to me, if you get five years, five stud years from a running back, you're doing well. Beyond that, I think you're just pushing the envelope. We've seen so many, gosh, what's it been, four or five years ago when these running backs were getting these incredible contracts? Gurley and, and Elliott and, and on and on. And now that's not the case. I mean, McCaffrey has fallen off uh, – Barkley's had injuries. So I think if you get five years out of Jonathan Taylor, God love you. That's why I say I've sort of changed my my definition of long-term in the NFL to like four or five years. And that's why it's going to be really, really interesting where they go with Ryan. If he's just everything they thought and more for two years and still wants to play and is playing well. Yeah, and and I hope he is because, I mean – like I said, Philip Rivers 2.0. The Colts got Rivers off of a year in which he threw 23 touchdowns to 20 interceptions. Matt Ryan coming off a season in which he his numbers won't blow you away, but they're much better than that. He's a guy who takes care of the football, accurate, makes smart decisions. He's never he's never thrown 20 interceptions, Matt Ryan. No, no he has, so, he has like, far less of that YOLO ball in him. <laughs> Um, he, he's way closer to a Peyton Manning than he would be a Philip Rivers or a. Uh... No, he, and it's funny he talked. It, it's he. It's it was really interesting to hear him talk when his introductory, where he said uh, uh, Johnny Unitas, uh, who who was with this franchise. Well, it wasn't here, but he won the Johnny Unitas Award, and and then he talked about the, the the lineage of Colts quarterbacks with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and and he mentioned Philip Rivers. He didn't mention Carson Wentz, which was that a slip or you know, whatever. I don't know. So he, he's very, very aware of the standards that have been here. And the Colts need that stabilizing force. And you can make too much out of press conferences and first impressions. But this guy gets it. He just does. And if, if he's... If his performance on the field matches his performance um, in front of us, they, they they've got their guy for a couple of years. And again, that that's right now. That's what you need. He, again, I, I keep coming back to the same thing. He gives them hope, gives them a chance, and that's that's what they didn't have a week or two weeks ago. He gives them hope in a very very competitive AFC that just acquired Devonte Adams. He was traded from the Packers to the Raiders Packers gain a first and a second round pick um, in that deal. And then Las Vegas signed Adams to a five-year $140 million extension as the Raiders try and really just keep up in that crazy competitive AFC West. Speaking of the AFC West, the Chiefs offloaded a star wide receiver. Tyreek Hill traded to Miami today, Wednesday. Miami gives away a first, second, fourth round pick in 2022 a fourth and a sixth in 2023 that's five draft picks uh, for the star wide receiver the Dolphins then sent signed Hill to an extension four years 120 million so there is a lot of moolah being thrown around Miami has had quite the offseason they also just signed top left tackle Teron Armstead to a five-year deal worth up to 87 million dollars uh, I did have to look it up. The Colts do not play 
Miami Dolphins this season, and that might be a good thing because at least on paper, they're looking like they might be able to contend in the AFC as well so long as Tua holds up his end of the bargain. The Colts, they've lost a few players in free agency. Um, Zach Paschal, the most notable, he signed with Philadelphia, reunites with Nick Sirianni. It's a one-year deal. I have not seen the exact money on that contract yet. Uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad, defensive end, he reunites with Matt Eberflus in Chicago. Two-year deal worth up to $10 million, good for Muhammad. And then George Odom, we kind of speculated that he might be on his way out the door um, after he didn't like the tender he was signed to the year before. He signs a three-year deal worth up to almost $11 million with the San Francisco 49ers. So the Colts have certainly lost guys who I would call depth pieces, um, but they haven't made a whole lot of depth signings as of yet either. Uh, So let's look at the Colts' next moves here, what they need to do to surround Matt Ryan with the pieces he's going to need to be successful. Looking at cap space. After the trade for Matt Ryan, the Colts had roughly $16 million in cap space. Then they reworked Matt Ryan's contract, gave him more guaranteed money, and that potentially opens up more cap space after the restructure. I have not seen exact numbers on that, but the Colts have at least $16 million, and it could be more depending on how Indianapolis restructured Ryan's contract. Mike, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Let's talk about left tackle because Chris Ballard... One, 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 one thing before we get off of the uh, cap space. I've seen guys throw around that they've got $25, $26 million of cap space after Ryan's restructuring, which we don't know. I've, I've looked everywhere, and I don't see it. I kind of thought what they would perhaps did was he was due it was a $7.5 million roster bonus on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. Maybe they push that into next year, which we'll see. So until what I thought the restructuring was, was guaranteeing, like you, we've talked about, the two years. But well, that doesn't impact the cap. So may, maybe they did do something else. But what they can do, and it, it, it doesn't, it, all it is is bookkeeping. They've got five or six guys they can approach by lowering this year's bases with signing bonuses and lowering their base to like a million dollars and giving them the rest, not pay cuts, but just restructuring the money. They can come up with 30 or $40 million of cap space in a heartbeat, you know, to force Buckner and, and Darius Leonard and Braden Smith and, and on and Ryan Kelly. So they, they might do that. Ballard does not like to push money forward. He just doesn't. Uh, but to do because it for if players, you- because if you cut right. the player later, it turns into more dead cap, right? Well, it's it's, it's forty million dollars for for Matt Ryan, <laughs> and, and for for Atlanta. And what's really kind of funny, it was pointed out that the the two highest dead money allotments in NFL history are for Matt Ryan in Atlanta. He's coming to the Colts, and Carson Wentz last year with Philly. It was like thirty four million. So Andrew Brandt, who's a great follow on Twitter, said, uh, if you're a GM and, and Chris Ballard calls, hang up on him because <laughs> he's going to pile up your dead money. So the, the point is they, you, can, you, you can do a lot of things with the cap. You, you just can. But the easiest and safest way to create cap space for the Colts is, is to adjust guys that are going to be part of your team, Buckner, Kelly, you know, on and on. And they'll do that. If they want to sign somebody, they have ways to do it. They have ways to do it. They have at least $16 million, probably way more available to them uh, through the restructuring of contracts. Looking at left tackle now, the Colts sound pretty content with Matt Pryor at left tackle. Chris Ballard uh, had this quote on the Pat McAfee show Tuesday. I'll, I'll just read it word for word because it's pretty telling. He said, quote, Everybody just kind of brushed off the signing, but Matt Pryor played really good for us this year, and I think people kind of ignored it. When you go back and watch the Raider game, he was outstanding at left tackle, so we'll give him the first shot at it. We'll continue to look to add depth as we need to, and we'll look both in free agency and the draft. He went on to say, he's a young player. We think he's got a lot of talent. 
He's a big, strong man, and when we gave him a chance to perform, he performed really well. It's been fun to watch him work and kind of buy into what we're asking him to do. So we'll hit, we'll give him a shot at it, and we think he's got a lot of upside, but we'll continue to look. Uh, the Colts re-signed prior this offseason to a one-year deal worth $5.5 million. Uh, prior earned a 76.5 pro football focus grade in 2021. Uh that was better than Eric Fisher's grade of 68.2. And this is a guy who the Colts just acquired in August for a six-round pick from Philly. So kind of a cast-off who, within the course of a year, could become the Colts' starting left tackle. When you look at left tackles still available, there's Dwayne Brown, uh, formerly of Seattle. He's going to be 37 by the time the year starts, but is still playing solid football. Eric Fisher is still available as well. But, Mike, the more I look at this, the more I think the Colts are going to roll into the season with Matt Pryor. Maybe. I, I, I keep looking at him as a fallback that, well, if no one else in Matt Pryor, and that's probably a total disrespect to him. I'm not ruling out a return of Eric Fisher if he doesn't get the, the, the bigger contract on the open market. I wouldn't be opposed at all. Now, I'm not giving him, you know, monster money. I'm giving him seven or eight million dollars again that's it's easy to say because it's not my money but I, it, it's just if the left tackle doesn't work the offensive line doesn't work we had discussions two years ago with the offensive line with which was so good with Costanzo left tackle and Kelly and Braden Smith and Quentin and Glowinski in the press room when we're bored would say well who's the most indispensable Colt you know, it's always a quarterback, but non-quarterback. And T.Y. or whatever. I I always, it, it was crazy that Quentin Nelson was probably your best player, just your best player. But when it came to most indispensable offensive lineman, to me, he might have been third of a guy you're going to play for a month without. You can't play without your left tackle. We, we saw that with Costanzo. You know, I could argue that Ryan Kelly, was more important to the line and, and maybe right tackle. I don't know, depending on who your backup is, but I don't care. I don't care if you've got a generational left guard that you're going to pay a zillion dollars to or whatever, and you've made Braden Smith one of the highest paid left tackle or right tackles, and you got Ryan Kelly. If the left tackle, if you're always trying to protect and slide protection and whatever with your left tackle, you, you're impeding the, the progress of the offense. So, We'll see. It, it, it's it's so easy to, to, to criticize and say, well, boy, you got a hole here, you got a hole there. We'll see what they do. You know, in the last ten days, they've they, they've plugged major major holes with the pass rush and quarterback. So let's let's see how this plays out. And but I tell you, I'm going to keep my eye on left tackle because I, I I would much prefer. Prior be my swing tackle. Now he doesn't want to be that. He doesn't want to be Joe Wrights, with no disrespect to Joe Wrights. He wants to be a starter. But I, I to me, he's if you've got him as your swing swing tackle, then you've got a pretty good left tackle. Sure, sure. I mean, either way, either the Colts have a really good swing tackle in Matt Pryor, or they go into the season if they make it all the way through training camp without bringing someone else in, you got to think they're comfortable with him. And then maybe the Colts end up finding their franchise left tackle for what costed them a six, six round pick uh, just a few months ago. So you, you never know. Sometimes offensive linemen just kind of crop up out of nowhere. I know that kind of happened in Philly. I, I forget their left tackle's name, but he was a late round draft pick who really just developed and turned out to be a star player. Um, so we'll see. Either way, the Colts have a good backup plan with Matt Pryor, and if they end up adding a Dwayne Brown or an Eric Fisher, that only strengthens uh, the depth of the offensive line because they have depth moves to make. We haven't even talked about right guard. Chris Reed still not signed. He's still a free agent. Maybe they slide Danny Pinter to guard, but then you got to add backups because we saw how important that offensive line depth was last year when so many of the Colts linemen missed time. And Chris Ballard has spoken to it again and again. Got to have depth. Got to be strong in the trenches. Um, so we'll see who ends up protecting Matt Ryan's blind side. But in terms of who he's throwing to, he's going to need some more uh, targets 
to get the ball to players off the board. We already told you last week, Amari Cooper, Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup, DJ Chark, they're gone. They have teams. They've either been signed or in Cooper's case, he was traded. Since last week's show, several more big names now have new teams. Allen Robinson signed a three-year deal with the Rams. The Rams then traded Robert Woods to Tennessee. Mike, all the Titans gave up for Robert Woods was a six-round draft pick. That seems like a pretty good deal for the Titans, who have sneakily gotten better this offseason. Kansas City signed Juju Smith-Schuster, do a one-year deal. All of a sudden, Juju looks like the top wide receiver in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill now out of the building. And then Jameson Crowder signed with Buffalo, a guy who's been a good slot receiver over the course of his career. The best available targets, and there's one that just really sticks out, Mike, Julio Jones is out there. Tennessee released Julio Jones after one season with the Titans. Really a injury-marred season. Julio's missed seven games each of the past two years. So really slowing down as he gets deeper into his 30s. He'll be 33 by the time the season starts. And he's coming off a year in which he had just 31 catches for 100 or for 434 yards and one touchdown. That was in 10 games. Mike, Obviously, Julio and Matt Ryan have done a lot of good things together. Do you think this is something Chris Ballard and the Colts would go for? I think you have to consider it. But if you do, you and, and they will, you would have to realize what you're getting. You're not getting, you know, mid-career form Julio Jones, the, the, the no doubt, probably first ballot Hall of Famer. You're getting someone, you know, on the downside. I would certainly hope you wouldn't be this wouldn't be Andre Johnson 2.0, which, you know, looking back, we thought, I, I can still remember in training camp watching Andre Johnson thinking, boy, this guy can play. And then as soon as the speed of the game hit in, in week one, you thought, oh, this guy's career is over. So I, if if the price is right, and we're in the time of the of the offseason now where the price is going to favor the Colts, they're, they're not going to overpay for somebody unless it's a, a Dwayne Brown. So if you got him for that, and again, I don't know what it would cost, six or seven million dollars, five five million, I don't know. But it would, but it would have to be knowing knowing what you, you're getting in his career and the fact that he's had was it hamstring issues, which are always It's a lot of lower are, body stuff. Yeah, and when that starts happening with the receiver, it, it's risky, but it makes sense, but it would have to be because he's gonna be your third or fourth guy, not that he's gonna be a guy you're expecting a thousand yards from. Yeah, I would. I would be in favor of a Julio Jones signing, depending on the contract. Maybe four or five million dollars guaranteed, and then a lot of incentives. Get a thousand yards. That's another two million. Six or seven touchdowns. That's another two million. Make the playoffs. That's another million. Something structured in that way. Whereas, if it doesn't work out and he performs like he did in Tennessee the past year, he only costs you four or five million. Um, but a, another guy, another star wide receiver who's kind of dealt with injury issues lately, Odell Beckham Jr., he's still out there. He just just tore his ACL in the Super Bowl, so that would have been, what, mid-February, and he'll be 29 by the start of the season. But he made it known that he was a fan of the Matt Ryan move. He tweeted out, quote, random thought, bruh, I really think Matt Ryan to the Colts was actually fire emoji. I think a bruh will elevate and do something special over there. Uh, so Odell Beckham Jr., you know, I'd be kind of surprised if the Colts signed him, to be honest. But he's a guy who, once he recovers from the ACL injury, might have more in the tank than Julio Jones, about four years younger, and is someone who I think could really elevate the offense so long as he's healthy out there. The problem is you're looking at a, a, an ACL, and we just talked about it with Eric Fisher. Remember the Achilles in January last uh, in 2021? Do, do you do you want to bring on a guy that's not – he will not participate in your offseason work. He won't be ready for training camp, more than likely. A great talent when he's healthy, but I just I just would think the Colts will, will stay away from – well, we, we like this guy, and we think he'll be ready for like, you know, early October or late September. I just – that's risky. It's just risky. And I think the fans would love it because of the name, the name value. 
but uh, I, I like a few other names on this list more than uh, Beckham. Yeah, uh, to be honest, Odell Beckham Jr. just seems like he's destined for Kansas City now that they got rid of Tyree Kill. They could probably make the playoffs without him, and then by the time they get to the tournament, Odell will be healthy for him. I don't know. That's just me. Moving on the list as far as receivers the Colts might be interested in, Jarvis Landry is still out there as well. He'll be 29 by the start of the season. Uh, he's a guy who the Colts players have lobbied for on Twitter, um, someone who could man the slot for Indianapolis. Another guy on here, Cole Beasley, uh, slot wide receiver specialist, most recently in Buffalo. He'll be 33. He was cut by the Bills last week. Uh, a, a name I have seen connected to the Colts, I believe Zach Kiefer has said there's some interest here. Marquez Valdez-Scanling of Green Bay. Um, he's a guy who could be a big-time deep threat for the Colts. He'll be 27 by the start of the year. Two years ago when he was healthy, he had nearly 700 yards, six touchdowns, and 20.9 yards per catch. Those were all career highs. Last year, he was limited to just 11 games, 400 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Mike, of those names or any other on this list, Will Fuller, I don't think Antonio Brown's coming to Indy, but... Keelan Cole, T.Y. still out there. T.Y. tweeted uh, yesterday some um, what was it, emojis with the paper and the pencil looking like the deal was going to be done. I've not seen anything announced. Some other veterans like Sammy Watkins, A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders still available. Of these names on here, who do you think would make the most sense for the Colts? Scantling probably because it gives you the deep threat that, that, that really Michael Pittman doesn't really – you know that that to me that's not his selling point is the, the 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 deep threat getting behind people. I can't get past that the idea that every time he has a chance, Chris Ballard mentions T. Y. Hilton. He did he did it at McAfee again. He can still play. He can still play. So I I think the thought is maybe he comes back here for one more year. Uh, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not. I, I wouldn't lobby for it, but if you bring – T.Y. would sort of be like Julio Jones in my mind. you got to know what you're getting. You're not getting Pro Bowl T.Y. Hilton. You're getting a guy who might be that third down guy and the, the guy that you're going to sign for, I don't know, $5 million, $4 million. Uh, It would be good to see him finish his career. It would be great to see him get his 10,000 yards here. Boy, you just – and again, he's sort of that, that core player that they really like to keep. The price has got to be right, and you got to know – if it comes out today or tomorrow that they sign T.Y. Hilton, that doesn't even, to me, remotely change the, the, the need to get a guy, to get a guy to be your number two. And, uh, you know, so let's say you bring in T.Y. Let's say you bring in Julio Jones then three of your four guys, T.Y., uh, Julio, and Paris Campbell, you got question marks by. That's just no way to go into a training camp or a season. Yeah, That's pretty interesting, com the comparison between T.Y. and Julio. Do you bring the guy who's familiar with the franchise in? Do you bring the guy who's familiar with the quarterback in? Both Julio Jones and T.Y. had uh, 700 yards in 2020. T.Y. Hilton's last 1,000-yard season was 2018 when he had 20, uh, 1,200 yards. Julio Jones uh, had nearly 1,400 in 2019, so more recently had elite production. But as we know with some of these wide receivers, when it falls off, it falls off quick. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And, and, and would that be either or? Is that one where the Colts are thinking, you know, budget-wise and position-wise, is it either – Julio Jones or T.Y. Hilton, we really can't afford to have two guys. I'm not saying that they're the same type of player at all. They're not. But you would be asking the same type of things as far as lesser contributions. Is it one or the other or both? I don't know. I would kind of be surprised if they signed both, to be honest, just to bring in two aging wide receivers near the end of their career who – I. I mean, if they signed both, I'd actually be pretty happy with it. But I, I kind of think it's a one or the other thing because wide receiver, more than so many other positions, is a place where you kind of want to be young at. 
Um, and, and Chris Ballard, every time he's asked about it, brings up, we got some young guys who we really like. Ashton, and we, Ashton Doolin and Michael Strawn and Patman. And, and Des Patman. And, okay, yeah, but, but, but. And I tell you, what would really be a great conversation to listen to is if Frank Reich or Chris goes to Matt Ryan and says, which one you want? You want Julio or do you want T.Y. Hilton? I don't know. They wouldn't put that on him. But wouldn't wouldn't Matt Ryan want Julio Jones? Honestly, I think I would prefer Julio Jones because I think there's a better chance you get 1,000 yards and six touchdowns out of Julio than you would T.Y., um, just out of what we've seen the last few years. But you never know. Both have dealt with a lot of injuries and are on the wrong side of 30. So we'll see with that one. Uh, one younger name who I think would fit really well just as a depth piece and who's kind of underrated as a player is Keelan Cole. He spent some time with the Jaguars, always made crazy catches uh, over Colts defenders and had a decent season with the Jets. So I think Keelan Cole would be a nice depth piece. Uh, if they don't bring in someone like Jones, T.Y., Valdez, Scantling. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on because the Colts have a lot of positions they still need to address here. Uh, tight end. The tight end market has dried up quickly. Last week, we told you Zach Ertz, C.J. Uzama, and Evan Ingram were signed to deals. Well, since then, Austin Hooper has signed with the Titans. So the Titans have added Robert Woods and Austin Hooper to their offense. Tennessee's looking good. Robert Tunyon re-signed with Green Bay. O.J. Howard signed with Buffalo. And Hayden Hurst, uh, former first-round pick, signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. When you look at the best available, it's a lot of veterans out there. Rob Gronkowski, who you got to assume is going back to Tampa Bay to reunite with Tom Brady for another run. Jared Cook, who will be 35 by the start of the season. And then Kyle Rudolph um, is another notable name out there, although he hasn't been very productive in a couple of years now. Um, Mike, do you think the Colts bring in another tight end or just kind of roll with Granson, Mo Alley-Cox, and then maybe draft a guy because there's not a whole lot out there on the free agent market? Well, whatever they do, if they bring a guy in, it'll, it'll be that Band-Aid. <laughs> how many, how many Band-Aids can a, can, a team, can a team have? I don't know. Uh, it's sort of that sneaky position that, that Mo, again, Mo Ali Cox doesn't address your your you need that more of a, more of a reliable pass catcher, which they don't really have now. So so we'll see. And I expect Granson to be more involved this year after a you know a, a somewhat somewhat quiet rookie season. And again, was that was that a, a a reflection of the quarterback not using his his players? I don't know. They need help at tight end. I'll, I'll state the obvious. They need help at tight end. They do, and I'm a, a little surprised. They haven't been a little more aggressive in that, but like we said, they couldn't really get a whole lot done until Matt Ryan was in the building. Uh, maybe, in my mind, one of the more pressing positions here, cornerback. You know, we, we I think we both praised the trade last week when the Colts shipped off Rocky Sin for uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, their their edge rush is now looking good between Ngakwe, Pei, and um, uh, Dio Adengbo, hopefully being able to give you more in year two. But when you look at their starting outside cornerbacks, Kenny Moore, man's a slot. He's a slot corner. He's not a guy who's going to match up with your number one wide receiver on the outside. The Colts don't have a whole lot. They signed Brandon Faison, uh, former Raiders and Chargers cornerback who's been with Gus Bradley for several years. So Bradley clearly likes this guy. He started nine games for the Raiders last year. And I think at this point you can pencil him in as a starter based on the current depth chart. Then you have Isaiah Rogers. Are you, are, and then you need more depth after that. Uh, are you really comfortable with Faison and Isaiah Rogers as your two starting outside corners going into the season? No, <laughs> no, you're not. You know, and Xavier Rhodes is still out there. I, I don't know. It, it, do you want to try to revisit that a third time? Maybe, maybe you have to. Uh, I wouldn't be crazy about. I still think that second round pick is going to be a receiver. Uh, and then, can you can you take a corner in round three or round four with the idea that he's going to play massive minutes 
as a rookie, I think that's risky. So that's tough. It's we talked about this last week, and I, I'll stand by it. I I'll take the known pass rusher and, and expect him to make my corners better as opposed to the other way around. But but they did create, they intensified the need at corner by upgrading their their edge pass rush. Yeah, and I will say I do prefer this. I'd rather feel good about my pass rush and figure out the cornerback position. Looking at who's available, we told you last week, J.C. Jackson, Carlton Davis, Chardavius Ward, and Darius Williams for the top cornerbacks. They've all signed with teams. Since last week's show, Casey Hayward signed with Atlanta, two-year deal worth up to $11 million. That's kind of the guy we all thought Gus Bradley was going to bring over from the Raiders. Uh, he ends up bringing over a younger cornerback, so we'll see how that works out. Cornerback's still available. Stephon Gilmore is the big name. He'll be 31 by the start of the season. I'd be kind of surprised if Chris Ballard spent big money on a 31-year-old cornerback, but it sure would look that de- make that defense look good on paper. Um, some other names out there, Steven Nelson played most recently in Philadelphia. Janoris Jenkins was cut by the Titans. Uh, maybe he's one, an example of a veteran that they bring in and gives them some good playing time. Joe Hayden, Kyle Fuller, Patrick Peterson, all these guys are veterans who might be past their prime, but maybe it's a situation where like Xavier Rhodes, uh, they could come to the Colts and be put in a situation where they're not asked to be a lockdown guy anymore, just play solid. Uh, at that cornerback position while the pass rush gets after the quarterback. Another guy who we kind of talked about last week, we'd be surprised if the Colts went this direction just based on where he would fit um, with the team. But I've seen more and more smoke about Tyron Matthew in the Colts and there being some mutual interest there. Uh, Mike, has your attitude changed any about Tyron Matthew or is he still a guy who... The Colts are have two starting safeties. They have their slot cornerback and Kenny Moore. Where do you play Matthew? He's not going to start for you on the outside. Or have you kind of come around to the fact where just get playmakers on defense and figure it out from there? You get players and figure it out. And, and you can never have enough too, too many good players. This guy's a playmaker. He's a difference maker. You find a way to use him. Uh, and keep in mind that that Blackman, what was it, an ACL? I'm trying to I get my. I think it was Achilles. Up. Achilles. So, what we've had, so we had a rash of those. So, yes, you've got your starting safeties coming back, but one of them's coming back from a, from a major injury. So, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if there's that later safety to brought in or a corner that they need both. And that's why I say that they they've checked off two major boxes with the quarterback and the edge pass rusher, but. For a roster that a lot of us think is pretty good, the problem is the major issues you have are at prime positions, and we've got to see how the scene plays out over the next few months. Sure will. And another point about Blackman is he's an exciting young player when healthy, but now two times in three years he's had a major injury. I mean, he fell to the third round. The Colts drafted him coming off of a – major knee injury I believe it was an ACL played well his rookie year and then his second season in the league towards Achilles so maybe you know you feel good about Blackman when healthy but not so great about his durability we'll see there the last position before we get out of here Mike defensive end after trading for Ngakwe and you know I think they're paying him what about 13 14 million this year I'd be very surprised if the Colts did make a big move uh, a, a move I will mention, Von Miller signed with the Bills, so the AFC just continues to get stronger. The Bills gave this man a six-year deal worth up to $120 million. That's quite a bit for a guy who's going to be 32 by the start of the season, but hey, that's their money. They can spend it how they like. Best available defensive ends, Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Derek Barnett, Arden Key, Jason Pierre-Paul. I, I do think the Colts will bring in a depth piece, at defensive end, just because Chris Ballard's always saying, you know, you need to be eight or nine players deep along the defensive line. I'd be surprised if it's a clowny. Uh, maybe a guy like Arden Key makes sense. Uh, he's going to be 26 this year. He had a career-high six-and-a-half sacks last season. Kind of a situational pass rusher type guy. Um, but, Mike, do you think the Colts have any more splashes to make at defensive end, or are they done for the most part? 
not splashes. I mean, Mike Kamoko Ture come back. I mean, I it, it's it's funny where and again, I I totally understand players wanting to see what is out there and, and whether the Colts have an interest, had an interest. I don't know, but I, I think you know you you re-sign Tyquan Lewis, which is huge, especially if he comes back and can be that guy. That's a great point. That, totally forgot about that. That that he was boy, he was he was doing so much. And it emerged, but I, I think we can we can see another guy, whether it's an inside guy or an outside guy or both. They're they're not done. Uh, again, like in typical Ballard fashion, they they've let the the tsunami of big contracts go, and now you're going to get these guys on the short term deals that you want at, at your at your price. All right. Well, last thing before we call it a podcast, Mike, I want you to rank. The Colts needs top three. Just give me the top three. But if you're going to address them uh, in free agency with a veteran, how would you do it? Left tackle, receiver, cornerback, and then tight end. I, I just I, 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 if I've spent too much time watching Tarek Glenn and then Anthony Costanzo playing left tackle. You've got to have a left tackle you can trust. I'm going to I'm going to rank cornerback number 1. I think the Colts need another cornerback out there and I think part of that is because uh, I think they can get a good wide receiver in round 2. I think very deep at wide out. Wide outs have been producing right away um as of late, so I think you can get good production out of a rookie, but cornerback depending on a rookie quarterback is a lot tougher proposition. So I'm going to rank corner 1, wide receiver number 2, and then um there's not much out there at tight end, so I guess I'll rank left tackle third. But I like Matt Pryor. I, you're I, on the you're on the Matt Pryor train, aren't you? I, I, hey, I've been saying for weeks on this podcast, Matt Pryor priority re-signing. He's been my guy, so uh, I like Matt Pryor. Maybe it'll come back to bite me, but that's how I'm going to rank them. No, it'll come back to bite Matt Ryan. That that, that, that that's true, and Chris Ballard. all right that's gonna do it for us today thank you so much for listening to the colts blue zone podcast uh follow us on twitter at colts blue zone where we'll keep you updated on all the happenings with the colts and around the nfl follow mike on twitter at mchapel 51 you can follow me at roto street joe please subscribe download for us Uh, that really helps us out and if you want to Leave us a review on iTunes. That would be great as well. All right, Colt fans. Hopefully, by the time we talk to you next week, we'll have some more Colts signings to discuss. But we're going to start getting into draft season going forward as we approach April, Mike's favorite time of year. Um, so we'll we'll without st- a first round pick on top of that. Without a first round pick, even more exciting. The challenge just got greater. Um, so we'll start breaking down some prospects where the Colts go, how things are being ranked, and we'll sprinkle in everything that happens in free agency throughout the way. Until next time, take it easy, Colts fans.